straight to the source. Your destination for food, views and big ideas. Brought to you by two of the best in the business, Tonya Barr and Lucy Allon. Join them to discover some of Australia's most dynamic food, hospitality and agribusiness leaders. Hello and welcome to Food, Views and Big Ideas. I'm Tonya Barr. And I'm Lucy Allen. And this is the podcast from us here at Straight to the Source. In this podcast, we will be introducing you to the people who are driving our food and hospitality industry forward. Whether it be on the land, in the water, in the kitchen, or from the boardroom. Each of our guests are playing a significant role in the evolution of Australia's food identity and culture. And we want you to know who they are, their views, and their big ideas. Welcome back to Straight to the Source. I'm Tanya Barr, and it's good to be with you. I recently sat down with Eddie Stewart and Min Chai of Tokyo Lamington. These guys are taking the world by storm, just one Lamington at a time. This conversation is about more than tasty cakes, though. It's about their life, their lessons, their struggles, challenges, and their very unique partnership. Hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed chatting to them. Welcome, Eddie Stewart. Thanks for being here. Thank you. So let's talk about your career. You're a chef. You're a business owner. Um, one would also, perhaps on the street, we hear disruptor. Would you, would that be fair to say? Um, sure. I, I, de- I guess it depends what I'm disrupting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, t- tell us your story. Tell us, tell us a little bit about you. Did you grow up in Sydney? I did. I grew up in Sydney. I grew up in the inner west. Um, I am an inner west boy, so, and I still am here. It's one of the places you, it's hard to leave. I think Tokyo Lamington isn't too far from from where you grew up, is it? Super close, um, which is great because my parents can come pick up the little one um, and take her to little to um, grandparents' daycare, which is amazing. And you know, what's a ten minute drive? So I love the inner west. It's it's great. There's a lot of great restaurants. You know, it's always that place you grew up. It's always got a um a, a spot in your heart. You never forget. Mm. Well, as a chef and a business owner, an entrepreneur, I mean, what what actually in- inspires you from a chef's perspective? Um, it's hard. It's it's funny. I think a lot of ingredients inspire you. Um, and challenges. I think I work pretty well with a challenge. Usually, if someone says you can't do it, that will give me a little twinkle in my eye and I was like no I've got to prove you wrong is that a red rag to a bull kind of thing (laughs) I think so something like that I do like a challenge and it's always fun to use interesting ingredients that are not every day like for example you know you'll come to me I don't know how many times with I've got this red lentil flour I've got this thing from this which is great you're thinking and umming and ahhing but you don't get that idea straight away you kind of have to think on it a little bit um, and then you think of this idea so it's it's always great. It's fun. Well, I can imagine growing up in Dremoyne and loving cooking. Have you always mm. had that that desire to learn and to create? And because I, I mean, I've known you for quite a few years, and from the moment we met at Piermont Growers Market, you know, I've always known that about you. But I, I imagine it's innate into who you are, or is it something that just came later in life? I think it's something that I've grown up with, like. Growing up with my um, my parents, my grandparents, you know, I would always be in the kitchen cooking. Um, I think a great example of this was the other day. When I was young, I used to make eclairs with my grandmother, like shoe pastry, which was, you know, that hardest thing to make. Um, and then with my mother, of course. And then I was home the other day. Um, you know, Naomi's, what, two and a half now. 
and she loves to watch cooking. She weighs everything out. You know, there's a mess everywhere. It's amazing. Um, we actually made eclairs, and it brought back that memory of when I was young of actually making eclairs like that, and it was great. It, you know, it, it, it was a really good memory it brought back. Well, going from being a chef and an employee to being a, a business owner, those are two very different things. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? Oh, that's a tough one. It, it's funny because I think you've got to do all those roles in one job. And I think that's where you struggle at sometimes on being all those people at once. Um, it seems to be at the moment I'm the um, I'm the go-to person that, you know, everyone kind of comes to me with problems and issues because we just did open a second store in Melbourne, which is, what, a 1,000 Ks away, um, which is great. My phone goes off the hook at the moment, but you know what? <laughs> it, it's pretty funny, but it's balancing it up. I think you just can't stress. You've got to kind of poker face sometimes and act cool. <laughs> and underneath you might be, um, you know, panicking ever so slightly, yeah? Yeah. Uh, look, you know, everyone panics. I think everyone deals with it differently. I don't really panic as much. I just kind of I take on those challenges and just do it and just get through it somehow. You have a way <laughs> of smiling and just making the, everyone around you feel like it's all under control. <laughs> <laughs> I wish everyone could say that. <laughs> so can you just walk us through your career path? So during high school, um, I did go to a private boys' school. Um, I think during that time, I think year 10, it was offered like home ec, I think it was, um, and I started doing like cooking classes and that sort of thing. And then during that, um, we actually got, I think, our certificate one or two during high school, which was great. Of course, you know, I did well during that, and I think that's what um, showed on, oh, I guess that's what started my whole big interest in becoming a chef. So, of course, you know, I finished school, um, you know, I didn't, well, I wasn't interested to go to uni or do anything like that. I wanted to do something I wanted to do, not something that, you know, someone else wanted to force me to do. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents were great. They were really supportive of it. You know, I, I got my position in Ride College because at that time, if you wanted to become a chef, you would go to Ride College. That's the number one premium place you'd go to. Um, you know, some of the teachers you would meet there, were the teachers of head chefs I would work for, you know, in the future, which are amazing. Um, you know, a couple of names probably, I think there was one, Max Motek. He's been there for years and years. He's probably still there <laughs> somewhere in the background. Um, that's where it started for me. And then I finished school in, what, 20, in 2003. Um, I went straight to TAFE. In the background, I was working part-time during high school. Um, of course, washing dishes, nothing glamorous. Um, I did work experience back in year 10, I think it was, in the Novotel Century, Sydney. And I just fell in love with it. Um, It was amazing. It was just seeing that bustling kitchen. You know, I was thrown onto a pizza section. I'd never made pizzas in my life. Uh, It was amazing. And that's what got me hooked. And at the end of it, I said, I actually asked for a job. I said, can I come work a couple of days a week? And they're like, okay, you're a bit young, but let's work this out and how we can do it. And that's when it started. And then I started my apprenticeship and I worked there for what, three, four years, I think. And there's a lot of changes. And that was an amazing start, actually. And do you ever go back to TAFE now? Do you ever go back and do anything in that space? Yeah. Um, so I've been back a few times. I've been invited to do some judging for patisserie students, um, end of year assessments, that sort of thing. Um, I've been to a few of like the dinners they've got on. It's great. It's, um, 
this was a couple of years ago. This was before COVID, of course. Hmm. Um, and uh, still, again, a lot of the teachers, very familiar faces. Um, you know, you'd have like the people who went to college or some people would pop up. So it, it's great to go back and see that. And it's amazing to see where the young students are starting. And it's not judging them. It's more guiding them and giving them constructive feedback on their things because on their cakes that they make. Because it's interesting to see the students now, they're trying, well, I guess we're all the same, but they're trying hard to to show off and try as many different techniques and as many different colours and this and that. Sometimes things don't go, though. Mm. Um, you know, you, you want to make a black forest, but you don't want to make it blue. It's a black forest for a reason. Um, and I think that's what a lot of the, when we were, when I was doing that, a lot of the people, a lot of the time I was struggling with because you'd have this beautiful thing, but it's not a black forest. Mm. It's now mm. a blueberry forest or something, which, yes, I get it. It makes sense. But sometimes you just can't beat the classics. And I think you've got to nail the classics before you can start playing with those classics and chopping and changing. Mm. Well, we will talk about um, pushing the boundaries. And I know that with Tokyo Lamington, it's bringing the humble Aussie Lamington to the world, but mixing it up with international flavors. And that's that's a bit of your tagline. So looking forward yeah. to getting into that, <laughs> because I do want to understand that creative. I mean, you're a bit of a mad scientist when it comes to tobacco house and creating those flavors. But going from making pizzas and then and then travel You've done a fair amount of travel for inspiration, haven't you? Yeah, I think travel is important because, like, Australia is great. We've got a melting pot of cuisines here, but there's nothing like going to another country to actually see and feel it. Um, of course, as anyone that knows me knows I am absolutely obsessed with Japan. I think, you know, if you look at my passport, you could probably see about 40 trips there in the past couple of years. I've been all over Japan, all different parts, still... One of my favorite places to eat is Japan. It's just that street food, the culture. You know, there's no thrills. You can walk into any little place and, you know, you'll be assured an, an amazing meal and hospitality. Well, business is hard, right? There's no no way. We can't candy coat it. But how have you found transitioning from an employee to an employer? Um, I think at first I actually struggled quite a lot, but it's taken me a couple of years to kind of transition into that. It's funny, a lot of people actually are commenting on that now, how I'm being a lot more serious and, you know, oh, you sure this is this is not the Eddie we know? <laughs> we don't know. You know, you don't normally talk about wastage and things like that. Um, so, which is interesting. I think me and, so, me and my business father, he says it quite a lot, um, especially over the last couple of weeks. Since we opened Melbourne, I think a lot more stress comes onto your, onto your plate. You know, we've gone from... I think having four employees to about 15 employees now, mm. which, you know, I think reality starts to sink in that, you know, you're the kind of guardian for these employees. You've got to ensure that, you know, the, the money's coming in and everyone's getting paid mm. every week. That's well, the reality of it. Well, let's talk about your business partner. Your business partner is Min Chai. Mm, mm. And, and Min actually was the founder of Into Nitrogen Gelato. Is that, is that how you guys met? So we actually met during that time. So at the time, I was working at Blackstar. Um, Min had N to Extreme Gelato. Um, from memory, he invited me to the opening party of their Newtown shop. Um, went up there, you know, met him. You know, of course, it was very nitrogen everywhere, lights and bright and in your face, <laughs> um, which was great. It was, it's very Min. And then I think we just started talking and we just I just said as a comment, or maybe he said it, you know, maybe we should do a collaboration one day. So we basically took the watermelon cake, we took his gelato, 
and then we turned it into this liquid nitrogen gelato cake using the offcuts of the um, watermelon cake because that cake is beautiful. Like that cake, it's great. It's very labor-intensive to make, but the the main issue we were having back then was offcuts because we wanted that perfect square. And during that time, you know, we put our heads together. We're like, well, let's take the offcuts, turn it into gelato, and a massive hit. Speaking of Black Star Pastry, um, do you remember straight to the source when we did that um, kind of alumni reunion at Black Star? Yes. And, and it was Christopher Tay and yourself and Min and we all. And that's that was the first time I enjoyed the strawberry watermelon cake gelato. And it mm-hmm. was absolutely delicious. Um, they were so fun, those events we used to do. <laughs> yeah, those were the days, mm. weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they were. So speaking of being a chef and running a business, how do you get mm. in the zone for creating, you know, for culinary creativity when you're worrying about wastage and spreadsheets and P&Ls and staff and HR? And Is that still your um, area? Yeah. Like Min, of course, does a lot of the HR stuff and the, the money thing. He's the money guy. I'm not really the money guy because if I was, there probably wouldn't be a shop here right now. Mm-hmm. I'll just be buying more fridges or freezers or glass freezers or something or ovens, um, which is great. Uh, look, it's, I think when, like, for example, when you come to us with a product and say, here, try this, it's from such and such, you know, it's using a byproduct of this. I think that gives you inspiration to actually use that product. Um, there's always ideas that never stop flowing. Like I've got, Apple notes of ideas of things I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time, if I'm at a restaurant or somewhere and I'll have a flavor combination that's really interesting, I'll put it on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, this has been going for like 10 years now, this list. So it's getting bigger and bigger. You know, some things, they work really well. Some things don't. Mm. We tend to, in Tokyo Leamington, a lot of the flavors are actually born on nostalgia and memory. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those memories of all of our staff are kind of brought in to make a product. Um, like, for example, you know, we've got a uh, Christmas menu starting next week. So, of course, we're doing Christmas pudding. Um, Christmas pudding is one of the things which I love. It's the, my favourite part about Christmas. You know, my grandmother used to make the most amazing Christmas puddings. You know, she took that recipe to the grave. She tried to teach me a couple of times, but no, just didn't get it. Um, and for me, it's it's all about nostalgia. I think that's where we um, that's where we sit really well. And that's how Tokyo Lamington started, was reaching into nostalgia and the traditional, you know, Australian Lamington and then evolving that with the different flavors. And you've really pushed the boundaries on those. But when you talk about nostalgia and you talk about the selection that you have, I mean, yuzu is quite an unusual type of Lamington. And again, that links back to your love for Japan. Mm, Absolutely. So where do you see Tokyo Lamington going? You know what, that's a... (laughs) A lot of people actually ask this, and it's a question I don't know how to answer yet. Of course, you know, Tokyo Lamington was born in Tokyo. So, you know, going back a few a few years, we actually, between Min and I, we opened a cafe in Nihonbashi in Tokyo called N2 Brunch Club. It's basically that quintessential Aussie cafe, you know, bacon eggs, you've got avocado toast, lamingtons. We also do N2 gelato there which is great. And that's where we actually started selling lemmingtons and we started playing with lemmington flavors. From that, probably a couple of months later, Min and I, you know, we finished work one night quite late. We're sitting on a park bench somewhere. We had a few highballs inside, um, a bit drunk, and we came up with the idea, Tokyo Lemmington, let's make a shop dedicated to lemmingtons. Um, Min pull, pulled out his notepad, started drawing up designs. We're talking about it. 
we were about to do it and actually dive in and do a shop, but then COVID came and we couldn't. We had to come home. So we put all that on hold and opened in Australia instead. Um, what's for the future? You know what? It's funny. We just opened Melbourne and a lot of people are like, you know, oh, you, you guys must be tired, but we're just thinking, you know, what's next? Like we're working on our 2023 goals at the moment. Like that's our job today. Mm-hmm. So we've got a big whiteboard in our office, which is the things we want to achieve every year, which we throw up on there, which is a kind of our mind map. So next year, you know, we do want to do another shop store. Mm-hmm. We're thinking possibly Canberra. Um, I don't know. We, yeah, it's when we find that cool shop that we like, then we'll do it. But at the moment, I think we're just concentrating on Christmas, getting through Christmas, and then we're all going to have a two-week break, which I cannot wait to do. And then we will hit the ground running again and do something crazy, I'm sure, because that's what we do. (laughs) Well, in terms of um, your younger self, what advice? I mean, when you think back on your career now, what advice would you give your younger self, your younger Eddie? Um, Just take a chance and do it. Mm. I think you don't know until you try you can fail, but you may you might succeed. I think that was my biggest thing when I was younger was <clears throat> I guess I would never really take that chance of that leap of faith and just jumping into my own thing and doing it. Because, um, because you were afraid of failure? Yeah, I think, you. of course, you're, you're afraid of failure and actually losing everything that you put into it. Mm. Um, but, you know, when you think of it, you know, we opened Tokyo Leamington. I think we opened Tokyo Leamington <laughs> with about – Oh, I can't remember how much we had. I think it was about $20,000 we opened the shop with. Oh, no, sorry, $5,000 we opened the shop with. Um, and that was we literally just scraped through to open it. Um, and then the original one we opened in Chinatown. We had a six-month pop-up. You know, it, it, it was really successful, did well, and we actually saved a bit of money to open our next shop. So one thing, you know, we always use the money we have, not the money we don't have mm-hmm. for the business. I think that's one of our biggest things. Some business advice there, isn't it? Yeah, like don't overachieve. Like, you know, I hate that kind of borrowing money. Sometimes you have to, you can't avoid it. But, you know, if we can't afford it, we'll just wait a little bit longer until we can. Well, what hmm. what makes Tokyo and Lamington so delicious? Like what, what is your point of difference or your prop, your value proposition on a Tokyo Lamington? Um, I think what makes it delicious is... Oh, you know what? It is a delicious cake. You know, our sponge cake that we make, it's kind of a cross between a chiffon, like a Japanese chiffon and like a normal kind of sponge cake. Um, it's a little bit more like it's higher in moisture. It's not super fluffy. It's still fluffy, but it's a little bit dense. Um, it's the perfect little cake, which is great because if we do a flavor like uh, tre leche, which is like soaked in milk, of course, it sucks up all that milk flavor. But then if we do a super light flavor, like our OG with jam and cream, it's nice and light and spongy. And we get the tick of approval from all the nanas around the area. Um, we have one grandmother that a local, she comes in probably once a week, gets a six-pack of lamingtons to take home. She puts a couple in the freezer, a couple in the fridge, and enjoys them over the next couple of days, which is amazing to hear because that's going to be our toughest critic, mm. um, the older generation, um, you know, because that's what they're used to making. That's what they grew up on, and that's what I grew up on. I think the biggest thing about Tokyo Lemington was don't make crap lemmingtons. Um, you know, don't make those lemmingtons that you would get um, that most of us grew up on, which were dry, stale, and not great. And I think that's where we kind of stick to that. Who inspires you? Who inspires you in the industry? 
or they oh. don't even have to be in the industry. Who inspires you in your life? Um, it's funny. Who inspires me in life? I think a lot of people inspire me, but it's hard to narrow it down. Um, I think a lot <laughs> men's in the background pointing himself with big things like this. Um, of course, you know, you get inspiration from each other. Like, you know, of course men inspires me. Um, but I think inspirations as, as crappy as it sounds, um, inspirations from bigger companies, like say, for example, like ASOP and people like that, they kind of inspire you because their branding is beautiful. What they do is so elegantly boxed and, and nice. Um, and say other brands, like, for example, Izzy Miyake, they inspire me because it's this, you know, top end fashion brand, but then out of necessity, they created different levels inside their brands. So everyone could achieve a piece of Izzy Miyake. And I think, you know, you really appreciate what brands like that do. Um, of course, chefs inspire me. You know, you look at now, now I've got to rack my brain for chefs to think that inspire me. <laughs> I, um, I know ingredients inspire you because we know the producers that we work with straight to the source. And yeah, when an innovative ingredient comes, I, you know, when I give you a call, I can just mm. tell that you're just as excited about it as I am. So I know you're inspired absolutely. by ingredients. Absolutely. I, I love ingredients, especially, like I said earlier, if you get an, an ingredient that's going to be hard to work with. It's a challenge. I love a good challenge. <laughs> and I think between the two of us, we've had a lot of those over the years. <laughs> yeah, we sure have. Um, in, in terms of the quality of ingredients too, let's talk mm. about that. You, you talked about the flavor profile um, of, a, of your lamingtons, but mm. you're using quality local eggs and flour and, yep. you know, provenance mm. in the ingredients and the quality mm. of the ingredients is key, isn't it? Absolutely. It's important. You, you'll be surprised the amount of people that actually ask where our cream comes from, where our eggs come from now. Um, of course, you know, it costs us a little bit more to get those quality products. Like, for example, we're getting our cream at the moment from a dairy farm down near the Sydney-Melbourne border. I can't think of the name, um, but it's a beautiful cream. It's a really thick country-style cream. Um, you know, it costs us almost $40 for four litres. It's expensive cream, but you know what? You whip it up, it reminds you of being in the countryside. And I think those little things make a big difference. Um, you know, we use, you know, we don't use the world's best chocolate. You know, we use, you know, different chocolates for different applications. Like, you know, we're not using Valrona and things like that because it's overkill. It's a Lamington at the end of the day. Um, but local ingredients are important to us um, where we can actually use them and find it feasible to use them. Because sometimes, you know, that just blows all your cost out by using, you know, a high-end flour or something like that. But um, as much as we can, we do use local ingredients. Well, then, that, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business. So, yeah. you know, you've got to look at your costs and then find that sweet spot. Absolutely. I think that's the most important part. And how do you unwind? How do I unwind? It's actually quite hard. I've been trying, I've been asking myself that for about two years now because I have got a two and a half year old at home. So I get home, it's, I'm at work, it's full on. I get home, it's full on. <laughs> um, I think. You know, you find time to unwind. You kind of, at the moment, you know, we've got a Labrador as well. So we go for walks. When I finish work, I'm usually driving home. You know, the first thing we do is um, put the lead on Oki. Naomi, I pick Naomi up from daycare. We normally go for about a two, three hour walk around local parks. Um, that helps me unwind a lot. Um, other than that, it's, it's go, go, go. 
So, Min Chai, you've joined us. Uh, Eddie and I've been having a chat um, about his career and his and the way it's evolved from being a chef in Sydney and growing up in Jermoyne. And now um, Min's joined the studio today. So you guys, you guys are, um, you know, business owners and you guys have taken Tokyo and Lamington. And I read somewhere that it was like the bastard love child that you never knew you needed. <laughs> and um, where did that come from? Right. Um. I suppose when um, Eddie and I first met, yeah, so um, it's, we sort of started with me opening a shop in Newtown and then I invited Eddie over to, for the opening party. And I guess it hit off from there, you know, Um, you know, we were quite in sync with what's going on. And then we started to do collaborations together. And back then, collaborations are quite unheard of in, in say, the food industry, especially. Like, you see a lot in fashion, but not in, in food. And we start doing a lot of that. Like, what Eddie mentioned, we did, like, the kick smash. And and I think that sort of built everything together, that, that relationship. I think mm. Tokyo Lemington, it's all about relationships, I guess, you know, of what we have journeyed together. I think we have... We, we actually had a bit of chat the other day reflecting of what we have done in the past 10 years. I think it's almost 10 years mm-hmm. since we met each other. And the things we have achieved, like sometimes we go like, we have done everything in Tokyo. We have done things in Paris. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, locally. And I think when, when, and then I think our paths really crossed when, um, you know, and two was at the um towards the tail end of his, its life. And then, um, Eddie is also, you know, looking for something more exciting. So we just thought, hey, you know, we worked so well together for the, in the past. Why don't we do something together? And and I think that's when um, Tokyo and Tokyo Lamington all came together. Mm. So prior to Tokyo Lamington, though, you had a successful business called N2, Nitrogen Gelato. Can you tell us about that, please? Oh, yeah, of course. So um, how I started, um, before this, I was actually an insolvency accountant. So my life was quite... Stressful and depressed. Okay. <laughs> and um, what happened then, it's like uh, my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So I have to um, go home to Malaysia to nurse her until she passed. Because if you if you know pancreatic cancer, is quite terminal. So all the time, we sort of had a little chat, lot, lots of little chat. And um, one kind of comment that I made was, oh, how cool would it be to have an ice cream shop to my mom? And my mom said to me, like, you know what? You make a good ice cream shop owner. So I, that sort of stuck to my mind. So when I came back to Australia, I just thought, you know what? I'm going to make it happen. And um, it took me about six months to get everything together, trying to raise funds because, you know, when I was asking people, can you you know, loan me some money so I can open an ice cream shop? And they would look at me and so I'd go like, so you have no experience. You want to open an ice cream shop? I said, yes, that's correct. Um, yeah, but I had really trusting friends and we managed to make it happen. So I opened up in 2012 and, and did, that's the start of it. Basically. Did you have a business partner at the time? No, not when I started. So I was, um, in alone and, um, lots of, I guess, lots of learning in that whole journey, but then and to itself got bigger than how I imagined it because back then. And to really reflect what I, where I was in life. Like I was very excited. Everything was very bold and colorful. And I think that hit the market, like that resonated with the market. And yeah, we went from there. And then I had an opportunity to um, open up in Melbourne because a friend, a mutual friend introduced um, 
um, us together and we opened up um, N2 in Melbourne. And then that just became bigger and bigger and to a point where I think sort of I didn't manage myself properly. I got burnt out. So I think that was a lesson in life that I, I had to learn the hard way. And yeah, it was exciting. You know, there was lots of up and down. We we opened two shops, we opened four shops, we opened in Paris. Like, so it was it was a beautiful journey. And then, um, yeah, when I got burnt out, I sort of reconsidered everything and I decided to step away and, you know, have a break. Mm-hmm. Kind of regroup. And I think that's also, yeah, and that's also where I met Eddie as well, you know, mm-hmm. to, to sort of rethink and what we want to do. I think yeah. we jumped on a plane to Japan together after you closed up and we just said let's open a cafe yeah let's do something together and yeah and and like i said tokyo Lamington, it's all about relationship mm. like the business partner that i eventually had in melbourne mm. is now back at tokyo Lamington. Mm. so she's helping us with tokyo Lamington in melbourne as well mm. so like yeah it's a very personal journey for for both of us mm. Mm. and you're taking all those lessons from the past and applying them mindfully now Absolutely. Like a lot of bad habits we we sort of got from hospitality, you know. Mm. It's not a very mm. it can be a brutal industry, you know, the long hours, the the workplace abuse that that you know that that happen happens and all that. We sort of put a stop to that. So we make sure everyone had um like decent hours, have a proper work-life balance, and actually, you know, make sure that they have after work activities and stuff. So we we actually Took care. And that's why that explains like the turnover we have. Like our staff turnover is literally zero. Like everyone that who started with us are still with us. So Eddie mentioned you guys have opened up in Melbourne. Um, how have you found that from finding staff? It was challenging. It was blessing in disguise as well because mm. um, the staff that actually went to Melbourne is from Sydney. So it's our original crew. So she said, oh, look, if you guys do Melbourne, I'll come and do it together. So she she came along. She's um, worked with us. Built, we actually three of us built the shop together. So it was a beautiful. It's a great learning journey for her as well, mm-hmm. and also for us to mm. to you know to to teach someone to build a shop and all that. So yeah, I've got to say, when Lucy and I were down in Melbourne recently for the fine food show, and then um, you guys had just got the keys and you were just starting the renovation. And it was great to to be able to be there right at the beginning and then see the doors open and see the, you know, the, the, the community. It's in Carlton. Yeah. Yes. You know, really embrace it and, and to see you guys go from strength to strength. It seems like from an outsider's perspective, you did it pretty quickly. Yes. But <laughs> from from our perspective, we were pulling long hours. Yeah. Like we were working really hard. I think yeah. I think we didn't mind because it is something that we both enjoy. Like yeah. the whole building, yeah. the the cutting, the like it was part of the fun, you know. Yes, of course we had our fair share of fights, but you know, like anything, like like the blog, you know, you need to create some drama along the way. <laughs> I think we need to get on the block next. I think that's the next one for us. <laughs> All right, listeners out there, did you hear that? Min and Eddie, they're ready for the block. Great TV. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, reality TV, watching it, yeah, watching you guys in action, it is incredibly entertaining. I must say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. Yeah. So, Eddie, what's your favorite flavor of Lamington? Oh, uh, you know what? I probably got two. OG, because it's my biggest um, nostalgia piece or memory of, of growing up. And that cream, that country cream we're using is absolutely delicious. And then Tre Leche. 
because it's this milk soaked cake with caramel in the middle and coconut. It's the perfect lemington. It is so good. And then? Oh, um, definitely OG as well. I think mm. OG is on the top. And also Neapolitan. So mm. the strawberry, the, the chocolate cake, strawberry cream, and vanilla cake oh, just go so well together. Mm. It tastes exactly like eating the top. Uh, do you want to know mine? I don't think I've ever shared it with Yes, you. please. So mine would be the yuzu. I really just, it's so just, you know, um, citrus and uh, that flavor, just the balance is just beautiful. And mm-hmm. the hot chocolate. Ah, uh, yes. Ah. Is that still on the menu? No, we do that in winter, the hot chocolate. I, I love that one. I love it. I, I reckon it'll work in summer. Uh, not a problem. Yes. <laughs> it's funny. That one was actually out of a lot of contention, that one, because we're either going to go for s'mores or hot chocolate. And we made both, and the s'mores was great, but the hot chocolate just killed it. You, you so, want to know something funny? I found the hot chocolate to remind me of a s'more. Exactly. Yeah. So it was like little crossed in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Very similar. Mm. Well, guys, it's been great chatting with you today. All the best and look forward to um, getting back down to Melbourne and, and getting back to Carlton now that the doors are open, open for business. Yes, you'll have to come down and see the shop finished because last time you saw it, there was you know 20-year-old fridges still in there and it was a bombsite. That's it. Nope, we'll be down there shortly. So um, have a great day, guys, and thanks again for joining us. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We really hope you enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed the conversation. You'll find links to anything mentioned in today's chat in the show notes. We have some more extraordinary guests lined up and we would love you to join us again. So please make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss future episodes. We'd also love to hear any of your feedback, good or bad, or perhaps you've got a guest you'd love to hear from. You can let us know. And the best way to stay up to date with what we're doing, who we're talking to, and where you'll find us around the country is to become part of the Straight to the Source community at straighttothesource.com.au forward slash community. Until next time.